Coming up, Alan Havey joins Ileana in just a minute. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV shows. Hello, everyone. I am Ileana Douglas. Welcome to the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Tamara. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm I'm, uh, great, and I'm very excited to be uh, talking to Alan Havey, a longtime friend uh, who finally uh, is off the road for long enough. He's an actor and a comedian to be on my show. Uh, Fun fact, Alan Havey, who had his own talk show uh, back in the 90s called uh, Night After Night, it was the very first talk show I was ever ever on really yes it was very innovative and uh i think he was in the old uh well he'll tell us if it was in the cbs it was either down in the 20s the building or it was uh the cbs building but the producer in new york the yep. producer of his show was scott carter who later went on uh the bill maher did politically incorrect with bill oh maher. wow so uh from Having me be on Alan's show, they they pegged me to uh, to be on politically incorrect. So, what times. was it like doing your first talk show? Oh, I was terrified, and uh, I I said to Alan, he was he was you know teasing me because I still have the VHS. <laughs> I have not had them transferred, and he said, "Don't say that on the air." It dates us, but uh, I have the VHS. I did my own hair. You know, wow, yeah. So I believe it was Hot Roller City. Nice. I think I had a big, nice, big, big flip. swoop. Yeah, uh-huh. and a big flip. That was like sort of the the look that I was going for. And Alan had uh, an audience of one. That was sort of one of the innovative things. Oh that he wow! Did. So there was, it was mainly the crew laughing. So it was sort of like the Tom Snyder show, right? Um, it, but I got to do. Um, I did all of my little preview. Uh, I'm trying to. I don't exactly know if I did, um, but if I did Letterman like right around the same time, mm-hmm. or maybe I did Alan's show directly after I did Letterman. I'm I'm not. And did you know Alan before you went on his show? I did not. I was very intimidated okay, by okay, him right. because he was a very hot comedian. He uh-huh. was on Letterman, and he was very uh, sort of famous at the time. Yeah. So uh, I went on, just tried to be uh, as funny as possible. Told my little. I don't know, my silly jokes or whatever. I don't really know what I talked about. I tried to be like charming and have moxie. That was my... That's one of the things you do. (laughs) That was my one good thing. And then Alan... um, uh, But we stayed in contact. Uh, I saw him at Aspen Comedy Fest a number of times. And uh, then we later kind of reconnected through Paul Mazursky, who used to have the uh, little morning coffee clatch at Farmer's Market. Oh, Alan was a part of that. Wow. Yes, with uh, along with Ronnie Shell and George Siegel and all the sort of regulars. So then I tapped him to be uh, to play my stalker on the on the Easy to Assemble show, which we're going to talk about too. But uh, and he's a huge movie buff, and I remember oh, that great. all the way back to um, you know when. Um, when I was on his show, but we always see each other at the TCM Film Festival. Nice. And uh, 
you know, we, I, I think we disagree violently on films, though. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think we got in a big fight, uh, uh, like, during El Dorado or something. I was with, <laughs> I was with my, I think Alan was, I was with my friend, another comedian. Don't have two comedians at the same screening, is what I'm saying. Okay. I was sitting in the middle, and I had Wayne Fetterman on one side and Alan Havey on the other side. And I think Alan was, like, making comments anti-El Dorado and uh, that, Wayne was the, on the pro side. Yeah, it didn't go over side. so well. So I was just sitting in the middle. Um, but uh, but it's always fun just to, you know, Alan's so funny, of course, and irreverent to be with uh, someone watching uh, movies who's also, you know, a big uh, a big movie buff. And he just recommended, I love film biographies, he just recommended Frank Langella's uh, biography, which he said is fantastic. So now I got to. I, after I finish the, um, my other books, I've got. I'm reading now about um, the love affair of uh, Jeanette McDonald and Nelson Eddy. Oh, they never married, but apparently they carried on for years and years. Really? I believe the book is called Sweethearts, but don't quote me on that. But anyway, I'm in the middle of of that. I've, the stack is getting down, so I've I've got that. I've got another book, and then it's on to Frank Langella. It'll be a good summer. Nice, <laughs> excellent. But um, anyway, should we bring in Alan? Let's bring in Alan. Let's do you it. know what's great about com- comedians Sorry, are such great actors too. When you think about Steve Martin, and Jerry Lewis, and they're always so good in dramatic uh, dramatic parts. But um, Alan, who I said I've known for all these many years, is both an actor and a comedian. He's best known for his roles in Hail Caesar, which is the Coen Brothers movie. He was in Steven uh, Soderbergh's film The Informant and also in Hancock, and his TV roles include Billions, I'd See You Peripherally, Man in the High Castle, and of course, Your Turn in Mad Men was uh, unbelievable. Please welcome Alan Havey. Hey, Hi, Alan. Yeah. Hello, Alan. Does it to be on your talk show? I know it took all these years. Do you have any? Hang uh, on, I can't hear you. Okay, okay, go ahead. Do you uh, (laughs) do you have any recollections of me from that show? I thought you were really cute. You did? Oh yeah, I had a I had a big crush on you. What? And I I I think I expressed that in Aspen when I saw you years later. I know. And then, uh, but you were you 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 were dating uh, some guy, and and you were then you were married. No, I wasn't engaged. You were married, or you were engaged. I think I was engaged. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't have a ring on because uh, you were making meatballs and you took it off and you forgot. See, I, this is a, these wow. are the things I remember. Yeah. Well, that's maybe I maybe I, maybe that's the story I told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't you didn't follow up on it. <laughs> I but I I was trying to I I remembered that you know of course you had the audience of one which was very innovative. Uh, people, and then you had the crew, which I said was very much like the Tom Snyder show, which I always love. They don't do that anymore, where you can just hear the crew laughing. Yeah, I, I love know. that. I think, uh, pardon the interruption, the sports show during the day on ESPN. Sometimes you can hear their crew laugh, but it was a weird, weird thing because we had audience of one. We yeah, talking about night after night. Yeah, and uh, and then my crew would come in, and you know they'd hang out for the show. Yeah, and I'd have to make the same audience laugh every day in, in a way. Yeah. But I never played to him. You know, I, I, I was playing to some guy sitting in his living room or yeah. some woman, you know. 
And uh, but it was fun. It, w- it was a different uh, skill set for me at the time. I like, know. Well, I want to. I want to get to that because there's so many uh, crossovers. I said uh, Scott Carter d- d- discovered me from that show, and then later when he did um, uh, Politically Incorrect, tapped me. Oh yeah, no, a lot of people. That was your first talk show. There were a yeah. lot of people whose first talk show it was, and some whose last talk show. Yes. And some whose only talk show. So. Who, who was she? Do you remember who your booking guest was? It wasn't Hank Gallo, was it? No, uh, Beth O'Day. Oh, okay. You mean someone who, the person who booked the guests? Well, because this is always, this, this is this very narrow, narrow part of my career where about for 90 seconds I did stand-up comedy. I remember that. <laughs> Not as well as you losing the ring of the meatballs, but I do remember you did stand-up. Yes. You at, told me you did stand-up. At only one club, Stand-Up New York, because I could walk to it. And, uh, you know, the minute, as I've told this story, the minute I heard I had to go other places, I was like, what? What do you mean you go to the comedy cell? That's where your laziness would have served you well later, but not at the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Comedians are notoriously lazy, but at the beginning, they're not. You can't be. It's just impossible unless you get really lucky. I can't. I mean, I'm skipping all around, but the idea of doing the same 15 minute set of jokes like literally an hour later and then getting so nervous see my the nerves is what yeah. got to me then the the absolute terror of being backstage and you go well can't do that okay they just did that joke you know because everything when you're starting out for me anyway was topical 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 so if anybody right. else did your thing I'd be like, okay, well, I'm down to five one of, minutes. One of the many pitfalls of a beginning comedian. And here's the thing about stand-up comedy. Yeah. You can't rehearse. You cannot practice at home. Yeah. There is no, you have yeah. to have an audience. Yes. You can play the clarinet, the banjo. You can do monologues as an actor. You can yeah. you can go over or study the character. And in stand-up, you, gotta, you still have to do the homework, but you don't have a clue when you get on that stage. Yeah. And psychologically, that's a little harrowing. I was always surprised at, like, again, people laughing. Like, I know it sounds silly, but the things that you really think are funny, no one laughs. Yeah, yeah, there's that. And then think, you go, I just made a funny face, and that got the biggest laugh of the night, and now that means that's part of my act now. Or you said something you didn't mean to say, and you got to laugh. And then do you continue? Do you have to do it every... I mean, at first it kind of... Throws you off a little bit. Right, Wait right. a minute, that's not the joke. But then you realize you got you, you get your own flow. But again, you got to go up constantly, anywhere, not just what's in your neighborhood. Can you imagine? Stand up. New well, York. I would have gotten to movies, but uh, Warner Brothers was right down the street, so I went there. But I didn't go over to Paramount. You know, <laughs> that was that was me, the lazy. Uh, yeah, we can book Douglas, but it has to be near home. Plus, I didn't have any money, so it'd be like. You know, normally I would be turnstile jumping, so I probably wouldn't didn't want to let other people. Oh, you should have gotten a con. What oh. year were you getting in there? The money was huge. It was uh, you get all, five I, bucks. all I remember was uh, Judy down. Gold. Uh, she she's like, yeah, yeah, you did stand up with me for ninety seconds, and then um, oh my god, Wendy Liebman. Wendy Liebman oh. was doing comedy. Two really good comedians. Yeah, there. and, they they're, and they're, they're still doing it. Yeah, and they're still doing it. So it would it was right around this time. Uh, the minute I hooked up with Scorsese, I was like, I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. If here. I would have hooked up with him, I would have been out. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But he came to see me do stand-up, which yeah. was, I, I used to do this. I would r- love to hear his stand-up notes. Yeah, well, you start out there, then you work over that, that segue. 
No, he loved my favorite bit. I did a bit called Raging Bullwinkle, and he really liked that. Uh, it was as if we were preordained to be together. And when I was on Goodfellas, he would literally make me do that routine, Ooh. which was absolutely... Uh, you did, did you hate that when he oh, did that? I was horrified. Yeah. I was horrified. My dad would say, uh, hey, Bernice, get down. Do, do, do Howard Cosell for the people. Oh, like if uh, people were over or were at a yeah. parish function. God, I hated it. It was fun to do it, you know, on your own terms. Spontaneous, yeah. yeah. But nothing like uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Looking at you like, this better be funny or I'm going to whack you. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing. Bombing in front of your heroes is is a tough one. I did that. It happened a couple years ago. Sports heroes. Joe Namath, Willis Reed. What do you mean bombing? I, I can't I, imagine I, you ever bombing. Yeah, and it was this thing at the West. I had to host something, and I, I, I got off on the wrong foot. And, you know, when you're out there and Joe Namath is just looking at you like, what's your problem? Dick Enberg was there, oh, wow. you know. And I admired these men yeah. for many years, and they're just looking at you like, eh. And, you know, a little, and then you see the pity look. And, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't bomb bomb, but I, I did kind of. And then I got better as the night went on. So, right. So it wasn't a total... Well, is it like acting? Because I know when you're acting in a scene on play where you suddenly you're like, oh, God, I'm bad. I'm really bad. My t- training kicks in and you're just supposed to stop everything and do moment to moment connecting. If you if you feel that you're bad, do you, uh, do you have that ability or, or is it just panic? Um, I, I It's never really happened in acting, you know, uh, I haven't done a hell of a lot of it, but I've done enough. So I do my prep. I go in, and I'll figure if they don't like it, they're going to say something. Right. And if they don't say something, I don't care if the other actor is being a dick, and that's happened a couple times. Mm-hmm. I don't care what their opinion is. Right. I'm just worried about the director. I don't care where the camera is. Uh, I assume my hair looks good. There's all these people that, you know, I'm just in for that minute, that scene, I just want to be there. I'm not there to be anybody's friend, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I've had some actors play games with me, but uh, very few, and you don't know who they are. Okay, well, we're going to get to all of that, especially my one. Well, aside from being an easy to assemble, being my stalker. You, well, yeah, you were the best stalker ever. That was my <laughs> fantasy to do. I wanted to do a whole show about that. Of how I thought that we would eventually be dating. Like that to me just seemed the funniest thing. I missed thing. out on all. We missed out in Aspen. Yep. Uh, you were you know, night after night. You know, we're gonna meet like in our eighties. And uh, well, I'll be in my eighties. You'll be in your seventies. Yes, I'll be. I'll still be spry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like them young. One more good year in me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Seventy five. I like them <laughs> well, young. We're gonna get to all that. Okay. My favorite question: What's the first movie? I can't wait. I cannot wait. The first movie you saw, and who took you to see it? Uh, well, I remember seeing Wizard of Oz on TV. Yes. And Pollyanna. Right, you know, but uh, my dad took my brother and I to see the longest day. I was like oh. eight or nine, uh-huh. and it was at an indoor theater, but at night. Okay, and I, this blew my mind because <laughs> I thought indoor theaters were just built so you can go to movies during the day, keeps the sun out. Usually, right. you can just go to a drive-in. Yeah. So you I mean it's night? We're going indoors, and we sat, and it was during the week. It was on a school night. Fantastic. Yeah. I remember my dad coming, Bernice. I'm taking the boys to see the longest day. It's about time they learned about. Uh, what their old man did. You were in the uh, South Pacific. I got great. Yeah. So. WW2. Yeah. So uh, we went and we sat in the front uh, row of the smoking lodge. Oh, my you God. Know, 
And I remember, first the movie unfolded. I remember Eddie Albert was the first star, first star that I knew that you saw yeah. in the movie. But I remember looking up where the film was coming out of, because that hole was so magic to me. Yeah. That light came out of, and all the smoke, right? All the cigarette, because a lot, you know, it was '62. And, yeah. And uh, and it was just mind blowing. I was the only kid at school that had gone to the longest day. And it was during the week. It was mm-hmm. like, I saw it last night. Yeah. You did not. Yeah, my dad took me and my brother last night. So I, I really, you know, and it was it was a tough movie to watch because uh, some really top actors who always on television, John Wayne never really died, Yeah, got killed. Yeah. And so I was kind of uh, wigged out by that a little mm-hmm. bit. But it had a huge effect on me. And I saw it like six years ago. It was back at Turner Classic Film Fest. Right. Uh, it was Bob Osborne and Robert Wagner talking about it. Yeah. And I met Red Buttons years ago through a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I talked, I asked him, like, hey, in the longest day, he goes, I go, you're on that bell tower. You know, how long did it take to shoot? And yeah. Daryl Zanuck flew, flew him out of there, flew him back. He goes, we had to wear 70-pound uh, mm. knapsacks because it was real. So... You know, I go from seeing this movie, it blew me away when I was a kid, and now I get to ask a guy who was actually in the movie. Yeah. So I, I you know, that was a, like a, I didn't even have that dream when I was a kid. I yeah. wouldn't dare dream about that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a big deal for me. And uh, did you go, so then, I always love to ask who you went with. Was your dad really the movie lover? Yes. Yeah. Dad. I'm, I'm, I went with my brother. My brother likes movies, but he didn't get into it like I did. My dad loved old movies. It's like a drug, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Or it was when I was a kid. Yeah. And um, to follow up on that, one night, here's what I would do. Every Sunday, I'd, I'd look in the TV section of the mm-hmm. Sunday paper because, you know, and find out what was playing the, the late yes. show the next Saturday. Yeah, me too, you know? me too. And so if I saw, I would look at the stars, and there's a movie that had four or five stars. I go, wow, this must be good. <laughs> so the next, you know, that, you know, I didn't have to put it in a calendar. That yeah. was, it was in my head all week. And that Saturday, everybody was in, in bed. My dad, who kind of liked to stay up late, and he turned me on to Johnny Carson. That's another story. But I stayed up to watch it, and this movie just blew my mind and then the ending it just punched me in the stomach and said good night kid mm. and the movie was i'm a fugitive from a chain gang oh with yeah Paul Muni. Paul Muni. and uh no one could talk about it at school i had nobody to talk about it with right oh uh, i wasn't supposed to be up so i had to sneak out right you know sometimes my dad would watch carson with me he goes i'm gonna go back and take a nap with your mom and i'll be out later you know yeah i didn't you know now i know what was going on but uh, there were nights when uh, you're not going to watch any TV tonight, okay? And they'd go to sleep, have a few cocktails, or go to bed. And when they were deep in sleep, I'd sneak back out and watch uh, yeah old movies. Loved it. Wow. Uh, yeah. The and so did you first want it, you wanted to be an actor before becoming a comedian? Was that yeah? That was that was the thing. Well, here in kindergarten, and I've told this story on the podcast, but it's, I guess it's worth repeating because it happened so young. I went to a Catholic. Uh, grade school mm-hmm. and for the graduation ceremony they were going to have nuns and a uh, little nun a little priest to mm-hmm. to lead the school so mm-hmm. they, they were auditioning us basically and they brought in a big tape recorder 1960 huge reels tape recorder microphone as big as your head <laughs> and the nun would say all right you're going to get up here and you're going to say your name loud and clear and whoever does it the best is going to play the part of the priest and whatever girl does the best is going to play the nun okay Boom. Okay, so I was one of the last. I always stayed in the corner. 
So I was one of the last guys to go up, and then, then they played it back. They played every remember, and then they came to my name, you know, Alan Havy, and all the kids looked at me, and I got the part. So oh I nailed my first audition, you know, yeah. and my, <laughs> the performance. I just remember in 1960, adults did not pay attention to you. It's hard to imagine today. Oh no! I seen and not heard was not just an expression; it was a philosophy <laughs> that was carried out <laughs> hither and yon, uh, and had diversity in every ethnicity. It was, yeah. you know. But I remember adults looking at me, smiling and laughing, and a priest came up and patted me on the head, and I was just—that I, I, had to be where I got the bug. Yeah. I like to make people laugh, so. I really enjoyed making the other kids laugh, my parents laugh. Yeah. But I really wanted to be an actor. I didn't want to be a comedian, even in uh, when I was studying theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in high school, they said, you know, called me and said, you can't be a comedian all your life. What are you going to do? So I'm going to be a theater major. And they go, no, you need to get a job. You need to think of, a, you know, something you can make money with. Right. You're out of your mind. <laughs> and I'm, I, that, I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah. And then I get to college and I'm in, you know, a uh, theater major and a, one of the uh, acting teachers called me. He goes, "Do you ever think of stand up? You'd be a good stand up comedian." So I got the exact one hundred and eighty, you know, degrees advice from my high school counselor mm-hmm. to college. So when I got to New York, I had a, a comedy partner in uh, college, John mm-hmm. McFarland, and we were pretty good. And we went to New York and tried it. And then I realized I want to do this on my own. You know, were there actors that you thought like I when I was growing up, I thought I was going to be like Deborah Winger or Richard Dreyfus. Those are people that I sort of emulated. Liza, you were going to be like Richard Dreyfus. That would yeah. be quite a stretch. Well, that's I, I, I thought I have got I would see. So were there people like that for you that you thought? Well, when I was a kid, I was a big Jimmy Stewart. I just kind of related to Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, in a big way. I could see that you have this sort of cadence. Yeah, do you know me, Mary? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, when in doubt, Robert Mitchum. But I also like the character actors too. Yeah, but there was no one I wanted to be like. You know, I but I. Like a Walter Matthau type or Jason Robards. No. uh, I always love the supporting characters like that. Me too. But, you know, when I got into college and I started doing plays and stuff, I I said, I just want to be an actor. I don't Mm -hmm. care. And if I can't be an actor, I'm going to be in this business in some way, shape, or form. Right. You just wanted to be, you're like me. You're like, I just want to be in show business. Yeah. How do you get in? Yes. Yeah, that was how I felt. And during summers <laughs> down in Miami, where I was raised, Coconut Grove Playhouse, it would, mm-hmm. you know, they knew me. Or I gave my number, and they called me in to run lights. Yeah, for Old Calcutta and some of the productions they had down there. Old Calcutta. Yeah, and then when I went up to New York, I was living in Hell's Kitchen, and the play was right down the street. Uh huh. At the Edison, so I went by, gave the guy my number, go. I, I did tech on this down in Miami, if you need, you know, because I was looking for work. Yeah. And a, uh, a guy was taking a week off, so it was running sound and, and working a projector. So he took me through it one night. He goes, hey, you're good at this. You know, blah, blah, blah. You can do this. You want to do this for a week? You get like 400 bucks, and you can join the union. And uh, I said, no, no, because it was, the money, I, I couldn't have passed it up. Uh-huh. And I said, it's not. I want to try that first. Right. You know, maybe in a couple of years I'll come back and. You know, because that's where my passion was to be in front of the uh, people or be in front of the camera. Because, mm-hmm. you know, being a ham is a little kid. Yeah. Up, you got used to that. Um, so when you were in New York, which I never knew you had a comedy partner, um, were there 
any sort of comedians? Who who are some of the other people that you were coming across? And uh, a guy who also had a comedy partner for a while. This guy named Nathan Lane. <laughs> I never knew that yeah. Nathan Lane was. Oh my god, that's amazing! And then he started doing stand up and and interesting. Yeah, and he, and here's what I love about the business too. Okay, Nathan does his bit one night of Groucho Marx through the years in the '30s, the yeah. '50s. And his I last love it. I mean, performance. I love it. He does the voices. He does it. It's like maybe a five minute bit, and uh-huh. it's in this bar called Callback on Eighth Avenue, where you know theater people. Go, yeah. And but he wasn't known then. Yeah. And I'm watching this, and it blew me away. And I said to myself, which I, I do a lot because I'm a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I said, if this guy is not making in this business, then it's a bull. It's a, it's not a good business. Yeah. Boom. You know. One of my two favorite comedians coming up were Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Wow. And I'm thinking if something doesn't happen for these guys, and yeah. I know them, and, you know. So I've seen people like Dave Chappelle, I saw him when he was 17 coming in. I, right. saw, I remember when Chris Rock started, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and you say, well, these guys have it. Or, you know, uh, Amy uh, Schumer. Schumer, thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michelle Wolf. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know she was on TV, but just, you know, a couple of years ago, I saw her go, she's got something, you know. Right. And is is that an ability to connect? I mean, in movies, I guess they call it like it. But is it just, I feel like it's just a presence that's beyond funny jokes. Yes. It, it's a connection with the audience. You like the per. You know, the one I, I felt that like the very first time I saw Drew Carey. Like, it didn't really matter what he said. Right. It's just that he, I was like, who is this guy with the glasses and the persona? And It's a likability. A lot, a lot of it's yeah. likability. And they don't have to open their mouth. I mean, no, remember. No, yeah. Uh, you you're key. You want to hear what they say. When Chappelle would get on stage, you get up there, he'd smile. Nobody knew him. <laughs> and you pe- see people just sit up. They loved him. He yeah. didn't even be, they, they, uh, hey, who is this? Yes. You know, they just have that energy. And then, of course, you have to have good material and good chops and everything. Thank God. Uh, but also, uh, he's hosting The Tonight Show now. Um, Seth, no, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, thank you, Jimmy okay. Fallon. I'm sorry, it's been a long day. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. This is so civilized. It's the, the eighth podcast. No, no, done. no. It's only the second one this year. Uh, but the second one today. Um so Jimmy Fallon, he opened for me a couple of times down at Orange County at Irvine. Uh-huh. They loved him. They didn't want him to leave. You know, he'd do his 20 minutes. He's really? great. He's professional. Yeah. I go, oh, that's my dad. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, stay. He's so, his stage presence was so good. He was, and a great guy. Yes. Just a nice man. Uh, and, you know, I know guys who kill on stage. Mm-hmm. Destroy an audience. They, people don't like them off stage, or there's just something about them, right? Or they blow it. You know, they get a pilot, or they're, you know, mean. Or I don't want to work with this guy. And then if they do get something going, it, you know, it's always a problem, right? You know, there's always a problem. Now I'm sure, uh, the you know the men and women I've just mentioned have problems and mm-hmm. they handle it, but uh, I think it's always a part of you on stage. It's always kind of a part of you and a part, a lot of parts, not all parts. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that energy. And it's it, it's likability, it's a presence, or it's an honesty, mm-hmm. you know. So when you were doing that and then ha- you got tapped to do the talk show, did you did you ever stop doing stand-up? Mm-mm. Like, 
So you were doing it because I had a buddy like... who got a game show on MTV, uh-huh. and the day he got that game show, he stopped stand up. Right. Yeah, and well, that was the era. Uh, yeah, but you, know, you 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 were stand up, then you go do a sitcom, and then you. Never but you never. St- Ray Romano hasn't stopped doing stand up. Certainly, right. Seinfeld. No, you know because mm-hmm. it's it's important to you. It's not just a rung on a ladder. But this guy quit, and you know he did fine and stuff like that. But he got away from stand up. Right. Every weekend, every single weekend, I did that talk show. I was working either on the road or in a club or doing a you know a corporate gig somewhere because uh-huh. I knew that the talk show wouldn't last. Right. It could it, it could go ten years. It could go six weeks. Right. You know. But you didn't know, and and uh, because I, I learned all the rules of show business, because my dad would wake me up to watch Carson, <laughs> and I would hear all the stories, and I would hear all the stories. So when I, once I got in the business, nothing, nothing beat me back, and I've been humiliated on stage. I've I've gone to auditions, and I should have been shot, <laughs> you know. And I just kept going and going and going because I said, no, I, I've heard about this. Yeah. This happened to Buddy Hackett back in 67 or, you know. God, that's such a good philosophy. Uh, you know, I take everything so personally. Yeah. Even though I do agree with you, that, but but I am, uh, I'm flummoxed that the rules of show business are somehow disregarded now. So I'm following the rules of show business when others are not. Well, yes, I follow the rules of show business, and it's very, they're very simple rules, and people still don't have that. Now, here's the thing. Every generation of performers has complained about the same thing. That it, no one is following yeah, and it's, the but vaudeville, we know it's going the vaudevillians. To, it's going to unravel. <laughs> you know, like, someday for millennials, manners are going to be cool. No. You know, oh, my God. Reading a book is, is a yeah. cool, you know? That's the well. I always thought that the number, like again, number one thing was like, don't be mean to people because you know next week you may see them or need them or something. That that rule has somehow been thrown out. <laughs> like that's well, the, but that catches up to those people unless they're making a ton of money. Here's another rule: when you did the talk show, do you, I, I, you know, you do a lot of research on the people, and so right. when I so, or Beth O'Day, who was. Uh, the guest producer at that time for the guest segment did. But you wouldn't be... So many times when I was promoting my book, they were like, so, uh, Ileana, I see that you did films with... You know, and you're sitting there going... And here's the thing. Takes them two minutes. I know. Oh, Ileana Douglas, IMDb. Oh. Oh, okay. Just get three things. You could do your research in 15, 20 minutes. I know. Well, not don't go to Wikipedia because it's always wrong. That's what would upset me. Is like I said, oh, my God, they went to Wikipedia and everything on it is not right. Really? Yeah. You, well, you can change that. I've tried, but, but Anonymous has more pull than me. That's another weird rule of show business. I was of the rule of show business. I, I want to be like Merle Oberon that just made up like she was a princess and she came from India mm-hmm. and uh, was married to a count the end you know and yeah. then you just see her in the movies I think there's a little bit too much private information about family members and uh, this you know uh, that I that takes away a little bit of the mystique I'd, I want I would want my uh, 1950s Tony Curtis like <laughs> PR person mm-hmm. to just plant fake stories that are very entertaining like she dashed in a you know fountain in Rome and stuff like that. Now who is that about? That's from a movie, right? Nude, I, I, nude in a fountain. I in mixed Rome. two films. I right. did I I scrambled the birds and then uh, sweet smell of yeah. success. Tippy so. Hedren. Yeah. I, I met Tippy Hedren. 
Yeah, she's I great. Mean, I've met her too. Oh man, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, see, I'm a geek. Come here with my little TCM. I know. We got to do t-shirt. our TCM wrap up. It's it's the only time during the year I really unplug from the world. You well, know. that you should, you never the the that and the TCM cruise was the other. Yeah, I can't go on a boat. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, maybe we can't get I did comedy then. on a boat once, that's it. <laughs> comedy on a boat. Was it because the comedy was bad or you No, just no, like it just boat? I didn't want to be stuck uh in this kind of eating shrimp. Yeah, everyone was eating, everyone was fat. Every and and they they come up to you and they, and they were nice, but they always had like sweet and sour breath or barbecue ribs something on their face. It was just I just you know I um, live in Santa Monica. I can get sun and water. I don't have to. I, I like dry land. Yes. Uh, I want to uh, finish up with your talk show. We're going to get to the TCM Film Festival. Did you have a favorite guest that you interviewed? Ileana. Yeah. No, Ileana Douglas, of course. <laughs> oh, God. I'm shocked to hear you say that. Alan. Oh, uh, go on. It was fun to have Gay Talese on the show because I had read a lot of his stuff. Well, so yeah. that, when you sit down with an author. Oh, my God. Nipsey Russell was fun. Oh. Nipsey Russell. Uh, he lived at the Paramount Hotel. In New York, I, yeah, he was. They they did the conversion, you know, because I used to work when that was. These were my last jobs before I entered show business. Uh, I worked for Steve Bell and Ian Schrager at the Paramount, and wow. they completely refurbished the hotel. So you got you got free cocaine back then, didn't you? No uh, quaaludes. Okay. They, we didn't get All coke. Right. We were if we were very good, we were given <laughs> we were given quaaludes and lots of liquor. But um, he liked to give pills out. That was sort of more okay. his thing. I knew there were drugs in there. Yeah. If he if there was Coke, I didn't ever see it. Right. But um, uh, Nipsey Russell was in the hotel, and they couldn't get rid of him because whatever, you know, unless he pat There was him and, like, two other old sort of— uh, Called Human Rights. That's what it's called. Yeah, and they were so mad because it would be like, you know, it was this very hip hotel. And yeah. suddenly you'd see Nipsey Russell. <laughs> like, <laughs> He'd be in the lobby. Roses are red, violets yeah. are blue. Yes. You're trying to kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, he was he, known for poetry for you younger watchers and listeners. So I'm being filmed now. Yes. And recorded. This yes. is amazing. It's a vodcast. Yeah, that's my camera. Uh, yes. Okay. How about um, Alan King? He interviewed. Uh, yes, Alan King was great. Who so, also did many films. Well, and again, a hero, George Carlin. Oh my God. You know, Seinfeld was gracious enough to come on the show. He was yeah. really happening then. Um, I asked Larry David to come on, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he didn't get around to it. I think he wanted to stay away from that kind of thing. The My dream guest was Julie Rizzo, Frank Sinatra's body. Yes, that's, that's that's right. That's And I thought he might do it, but, you know. He, oh, but he didn't? No, no. And... Uh, yeah, he, I think he was killed at that time, an auto accident, but well, around that period. So. That's what they, that's what they say. Yeah, that's what they say. What about you gave a, a break to uh, Mike Judge? I thought that was really. Yeah, that was interesting. I, you know, it's a nice showbiz. Talking to, uh, hanging around VHS. You know, people would send in there. Hey, what, could you see my comedy tape, Mister Havy? I did some skits, and you know, so I put stuff on, and, and a lot of it was nice and ambitious, yeah. but not that good. And then I put on this uh, cartoon. Uh, and it was great. Uh, well, there was three of them. I, yeah. Uh, pull out, get a hold of this guy. So we flew him up. We showed him. We had the rights to him for a while. Yeah. And uh, the director, uh, Terry Gilliam, mm-hmm. from Monty Python, mm-hmm. was uh, a guest that day or the day before, something like that. So I made sure that Mike met 
Terry Gilliam. Wow. I, I, because he was young, this young kid from Texas, I guess. Yeah. He was from. And I went to the people there. I said, you know what? You should do a deal with this guy. Like, you know, I think they did, but they didn't offer him enough money. Uh-huh. And someone said, why don't you produce something? I go, well, I'm not a producer. You know, that's yeah. not who I am. But then he went on to Beavis and Butthead, and of course. Of course. Are you why? He has a great show now called Tales from the Tour Bus. Yeah, I have not. I've heard about it. I want to see it. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I bet. But uh, he was real nice, and I, he's mentioned me in a few articles Aww. he's done, so he never forgot that. I love when people uh, give you credit. That's another rule of show business. Yes, give of, people credit. Uh, there's only only one person in my entire career has, has thanked me for you know, giving getting him a job. Yeah. Most people... So, seem so, to omit that. Yeah, but you know what? The <laughs> next time you help someone, you just say, I'm going to help this person. I don't I need know. to be thanked. You know. I do it, too. I, I don't care. Uh, Mary Steenbergen was just a big article in the L.A. Times on Sunday. Mm-hmm. She goes, I owe it all to Jack Nicholson. You That's know, she, true. She didn't. That was back in 77. Yeah. Now, another actress years later with all the work that Miss Steenbergen or Ms. Mm-hmm. Steenbergen has done. Is it Bergen or Bergen? Is it a hard G? I think it's a soft G. Steenbergen. Steenbergen. Hey, kids, right in. The first one gets yeah. a popcorn talk <laughs> coffee mug. Not this one. I, I bring my own uh, craft services. Yeah, even um, though we have delicious they snacks. They do have snacks. I just, come on. So you, when you, your first, your goal when you were in New York, you wanted to actually be on, on Broadway. Is it hard? Yes. But you, that was my first goal, to be on Broadway. Still haven't accomplished that. So, But you. Everything else. Right, pie eating contests, commercials, Did anything. You, soap opera, reality. I, ne- I never no. did. I never did no. a soap opera. No. No. It's the only element yeah. of show, and I have not stripped. But I would be a, uh, really. <laughs> I never find that hard <laughs> to believe. I have not done any. Look sh- at you! Look what you draw the line. <laughs> the Iron Lady of show business. I once. I've had, been trying to get a clothes off for years. I've never even been in a strip club. Can you believe it? Really? This is not my thing. They're sad. I, that's what I. That's what my fear is that I'm gonna re- try to like li- like talk to the girl and go. Why are you doing this? Every I, I've been several times over the years, but I'm not yeah. a big fan. But every now and then you'll see a dancer who's really good, and in her eyes she has light. She Aww. has life. She's enjoying her right, job, right. whether she's the greatest actress in the world or not. Yeah. But a lot of times they look sad and bored. When you're at the airport, especially in Vegas, and you see that really attractive woman, yeah, with a single carry-on, yeah, and she and but her eyes are dead. That's a stripper. Yeah, you know. Well, or at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Exactly. <laughs> like I've seen a lot. Yeah, or at Chipotle. You know, or, <laughs> you, know you see. <laughs> um, another show that you did, I want to talk about, called the New Show with Steve Martin and John Candy. John Candy. Um, this is what I like about you. You do your research. Nobody has asked me this question. Okay. Nobody, nobody remembers it. It's hard to find information out there. Well, tell me about, about the new show. Oh my god! Oh, talk I, about a I dream mean, come true. I love John Candy. He had such oh, pathos. Nice, uh, uh, John Candy, Gilda Radner. I shaved next to uh, Randy Newman. Had a nice conversation with him about the Oakland Raiders. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> and I had to give the longest straight line in the history of comedy. Yes. To Steve Martin. And I blew it in rehearsal. Oh. And he looked at me like, well, come on. And when Steve Martin is upset with you, it's like yeah. having Santa Claus slap you around. You know? <laughs> so I rehearsed that line for three hours and nailed it on the uh, uh, performance yeah. taping. Uh, you want to hear the line? Yes. Sure. Sir, air defense is on the line. They've sighted unidentified missiles and are ready to launch a massive retaliatory strike. Oh, good gracious. And so then hard. Steve Martin looks and goes, oh, neat. 
<laughs> and he got a laugh. So, yeah. I, you know, I set him up, but when I saw it in the table read, there were so many L's in it, and I have yeah. trouble with my L's. I didn't dare, and Lauren Michaels, God bless him, gave me the part. Here, here's the toughest line in the 12 weeks of this show you got to deliver. But, you know, I did it. The N's and the L's. Yeah. They're not good. Yeah. Um, so tell me about John Candy. Did you ever talk to yeah, him? Yeah, about... hung out with him a little bit. Nice, really nice guy. Uh, Dan Vitale, another comedian at the mm-hmm. time. We were uh, uh, the only two uh, male uh, comedians in town. And the other woman, I forget, one was Maura Moynihan. Mm-hmm. I think there were, and and the I forget the actress's name. She's still working today, um, but we were like the junior players. Yeah. So I got to work with Steve Martin, Gilda Radner, uh, you know, Franken and Davis. I got Noel Franken on the show, mm-hmm. real nice. Alan's white Bell, who was so nice to Danny and myself, you mm-hmm. know, because we were new, and he, you could tell he had empathy. Just a great guy. And uh, then one night at a party, uh, Lauren, uh, Danny. Uh, Lauren said to me and Danny, Danny, come over. You know, Alan, come on. And we sat down and talked to him for about an hour, which was wow. really... Did you ever audition for SNL? No, I, I called him. He put me on as an extra. Oh. And But I realized after a night of that, I go, I can't. I want to do stand-up. I'd rather yeah. Get, I'd rather get laughs. It was very gracious of him, but I, 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 I might have gone on if I had hustled or if I had written something, but it, my head was... Getting really good at stand-up. I wanted to be a real good stand-up comedian. I figured mm-hmm. if I did that, everything else would, you know, come eventually. Did you think you were going to, that acting roles, it's not like you gave up thinking you were going to get acting roles. No, but uh, the thing about stand-up, it satisfied so many parts of what an actor wants to do. It satisfies your ego. You right. get work. You get paid right away. Uh, you, you're hanging around with really funny people. And some of them are, you know, just sociopaths, but they're still funny, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and that can happen if you work at IBM and Wall Street, you know. Anything. Yeah. That, I thought, oh, these what are about arts, the travel though. These artsy people. I didn't travel that much. Oh. You know, I had a low rent and a Hell's Kitchen apartment. Uh-huh. Uh I could walk over to the Improv. We drive out the Jersey gigs. They always came to the Improv. So I, if I hustled. And you were on Letterman many times. Ten times. Five on <laughs> NBC. Five on CBS. But over. You know, a thirty-year period. Was that the scare? I mean, I was on Letterman twice. It was terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that was the hardest. Yes, it's very big. Yeah. I, I mean, the first imagine. time was yeah. so nerve-wracking, sickening. Um, and then, then the second time, I talked to Seinfeld before my second one. He goes, "The, the thing uh, that surprised me for the second time, I was nervous again." You know, <laughs> yeah, terrifying. But he gave me great advice, and I, you know, uh, this has gotten around. Uh, he said, if you think you're going too slow, slow down. When you're on TV, you think you're going too slow, slow down. And it really has stayed with me. And I, I've done that, and, you know. And my, my last letterman was probably my best, thank God. Yeah. But my right knee was just quivering the whole time. And at one time, I looked down to make sure my pants weren't shaking. Yeah. They weren't. It was just my knee, just a little bit shaky. Oh, God. And I, was, I felt great. Plus, it know? was so cold. Yeah, but I knew that, too. Well, I did too, but it doesn't matter. They tell you right before you go on, it doesn't matter. As soon as you step out, you're like, I'm freezing. (laughs) It's so cold, you know? My mom, uh, you know, we raised Miami, came up to see me. My dad had passed away. Mom came up to see uh, an opening, a premiere party for my uh, HBO One Night Stand special I did in 1990. Mm -hmm. While I was there, the Letterman people, producer came over and said, can you do the show tomorrow night? And uh, I said, yeah, I got a set ready. I'll mm-hmm. do the show. That happened a couple times. Wow. And uh, 
so my I go, Mom, you need to put on a sweater. What? No, you need to bring a coat. You need to bring a sweater. Alan, I go. And I'm like, now, reverse rules. You put that sweater, you bring that coat, young lady, uh-huh. or you're not getting in that limo. Because so, they sent her, HBO was great. They sent her a limo to pick her up at the airport because this yeah. is during the talk show. The Lemon people send a limo to pick you up at home, take you in. Yeah. Third night, we're going somewhere, I'm hailing a cab. My mom said, why don't you get a limo? I said, get your ass in that cab. Yeah. It took her about 20 minutes to get spoiled. That was uh, a great time in New York. Did it just feel like you were the mayor of New York? Being, you're on television like every day. The so. unofficial mayor of New York. I felt great. And, yeah. I, and and for a while there, it wasn't on in New York. I didn't care. You know, but, and it wasn't, uh, I wasn't recognized a lot for it, but it was just, it was great to have your own talk show. Yeah. And I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I got it, because the audition, I was very apathetic and just didn't give a damn and and i think that's what it that became your act yeah (laughs) my acts a lot of anger in my act um okay so i want to talk about some of your movies how did you get cast in internal affairs i I auditioned for it i auditioned for it i was lost in it uh mike figgis did not enjoy me why i don't i i i didn't i couldn't get a handle on it (sighs) It's not, you know. It's awful, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I've had that. Yeah. Couldn't had... get a handle on it, try, thought it. And I'm watching the movie. Go, Who's this head. guy? That's horrible. I go, that's me. Holy crap. I was. I thought it was bad. Did you? And you never, you can't ever ask the person why they don't like you. No, I didn't care about that. I just, his direction to me was do something. Oh. That's... Do something. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and Gear said, he was talking to me, he goes, what's well, I go, this, this scene's not going to make the movie. Scene's going to make the movie. Gary goes, will you stop? The scene's going to make the movie. And he was being nice about it. Right, right. And it was his comeback film. Right. Because he was, he was, his career wasn't going mm-hmm. that well for a, a movie star. Yeah. And that movie really brought him back because he was really good in that. It was yeah. a good film. I really liked the film. Mm-hmm. I didn't like me. And, uh, but Gary said, no, nah, it's going to be in. Don't worry. I know this. Right. The scene wasn't in the movie. Well, it's interesting when you have an experience like that because that is where training, you know, so you don't get in your head. The director doesn't like you. You know, you kind of got to hook into something else. Yeah. You know, your character do something physical or something. Do something. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you asked me that question earlier, I didn't think of Internal Affairs, but that would be the movie where the other actors were great. No one was mean to me, but he was. it was just kind of vague. And then uh, sometimes, you know what I think it is, is that when you have a small part like that, um, they haven't really thought about you. And so they're looking at the big picture and you come in. That's fine. No, yeah, I know. I know yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just no, saying. but if I'm there and it's not happening. Yeah. Then you th- now this is like I'm a problem actor. OK. Right. I, do something. <laughs> you know, help the, help the kid out. Well, but they're thinking about... I mean, I've had that experience where they're thinking about the big star. Gear was fine. He was nailing it every scene. Andy Garcia was great. He was fantastic. There's no one... I was the only it's, one with the problem. It's Alan Havy Yeah, that come on. help. Throw the kid a bone. You know? <laughs> Have you ever met... Give a part to the girl in the chorus. Have you ever met Mike Figgis? Years later. And? Just recently at the farmer's market. Did you punch him in the nose? No. We're, talk, we're sitting there talking. He I go, doesn't we, even know you. Oh, I worked together, I, and I think it dawned on him. Because as we were talking, it was at the farmer's market. I said, yeah. Because he's working with someone over there. I said, yeah. I was on trying. Oh. Hmm. We started talking about movies. Yeah. And 
And uh, he, I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to get this project together. And yeah. Like that. I said, that's good. He goes, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm an actor, but I'm also a comedian. So I can work anytime I want. It's fantastic. <laughs> and I really, you know, yes. I was not shy about telling him, hey, you know, good luck with this directing thing. Uh, that's right. I, I, yeah, that's uh, that's tough. That's not nice to do. Okay, what about, please tell, what about Steven Soderbergh? I've never met great, him. Great, great. Love him, as I've talked about all the time. His, uh, his uh, commentaries uh, on are so informative. Uh, I learned so much about directing and other directors um, and uh, what was – I, I love The Informant, first of all. Yeah, a, it, it, well, really it was Really good, under, a completely underrated movie. Um, well, it's great because I, uh, I had met Matt Damon. We had been on Letterman together. And then I had a bit part on Rounders because my friends Brian Koppelman and David Levine, who mm-hmm. now run uh, Billions, cast me as a small part. So I kind of got to know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was fun working with him, you know. Yeah. And Scott Bakula, and uh, the, the the other guy, Talk Soup host, uh, J, uh, McHale, McHale, Joe McHale. Yes. And Tom Papa, a comedian that I uh, were very friendly. So yes. It was fun to work with them. And then the Smothers Brothers were there. Oh. So we had all these comedians do straight parts. Yeah. I loved it. Paul yeah. Tompkins, right? Yeah, Paul Tompkins, yep. Patton Oswalt. Uh, Jimmy Brogan and everybody nailed it. Everybody did a good job. Yeah, you know when I I, I love that movie. Is that a testament a testament to the director? Sort of set. I mean that it has a certain look about it, a certain veneer. Yeah, uh, that everyone is at, on the same level. It it looks great. It's a great looking film. Yeah, they shot it with those red cameras where they don't have lights. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all natural lighting. Uh-huh. And I'm going, why are we moving so fast? I go, all right, there's no lights. <laughs> and I and there was just there was kind of a get together every night at the hotel bar because you're out in you know middle yeah. of nowhere. And uh, I walk in and Soderbergh shooting pool. And I, I he looks at me. He goes, he goes, shot seven pages today. And he was all excited. I go, okay, I guess that's a big deal. Yeah. And but the thing about him is. I mean, he he gives you that, you know. He wants you to do that much. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing, because he knows when he sees the tapes. Oh, this guy is this guy. Mm-hmm. This guy can do that. Yeah, you know, be that. Like Ethan Cohen. Uh, I heard an interview with him, and he said it. And the interviewer said, "What do you say to actors?" And Ethan Cohen said, "If I'm talking too much to an actor, I've cast the wrong person." Wow. Yeah. So it's interesting. But Soderbergh was great, and he he he. Just edited and finished uh, this other movie. He screens two movies a night before he goes to bed. You know, you work uh, regular hours, 8.30 to 8.30. You know, it's... Or 8.30 to 5, you mm-hmm. know. it's He's he's great. Yeah. He's and, and he was operating one of the cameras. So he was down inside a car. They cut the scene, but he's down inside a car looking up at me. And I transfixed to... What do you thought when you put one line in front of the other? Transpose. Thank you. It's transpose. I thought it was, but I wasn't sure. Uh, and I transpose lines. It's a very short thing, and he's shooting, and he's crouched down like this, and he, could, he transpose those lines. I mean, he didn't have the... He, sorry. He wasn't looking at the script. He just knows exactly yeah. what... He, he, like, knows everything that's going on. Did he get... Like you said, he gave you very little direction because he knows, but is that... Slow a, down. That's what he... Interesting. Uh, he... He's shooting me, and I'm mm-hmm. having a scene with uh, Matt Damon. Right. And uh, first time really I've worked with him, and he has a Dr. Pepper hat on, and he and he's, he's shooting me like this. And then, as I'm doing the scene, after he gave me the direction, I see this. 
He's shaking his head yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I want you to do. Do you ever get self-conscious when the camera is that close? Yeah. And what do you do about I, it? I just... Ignore well, it? Too bad. <laughs> you know, really? Well, Are you? Well, yeah. it's that, you know, your heart does a little pitter-patter when they say, you know, uh, the only time I get scared is they go, uh, we're putting, you know, we're putting on the 50. And then I just take a little... Oh boy. Okay, because that yeah. means they're going to be like right, right on you, and so. But also too, you can do. It's all in your eyes. Well, you that's what you have to tell yourself. That. Yeah, I guess. What about working with uh, Matt Damon in that film? He's such an underrated actor, don't you think? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, well, I don't know. He's a pretty respected actor. I don't know if he's underrated, but well, I think he's one of the top guys out there. I loved a film that he did this year called Downsizing, which in people, a lot of people said in reviews that I read, he's not doing anything. And I thought that's what he's doing. Yeah, That's why I love the film. I mean, he plays a really good kind of schmo. And I think in The Informant, is, he personifies that. It's yeah. sort of the game, the game turning. I had seen uh, the informant a couple times, mm-hmm. and then you know, several years later, uh, I walked through the, the uh, living room. My wife, I go, "What do you watch?" She goes, "The informant." So I sat down for five minutes. I stayed for the whole movie. He is so funny yeah. in that movie and subtle that I didn't see in the other viewings, you know. Yeah. Or maybe I saw a little bit of it, but I sat down. I laughed more at that movie the fourth time I saw it than the first or second or third. Same thing with Hail Caesar. Yeah. With the Coen Brothers. It's mm-hmm. like any Coen Brothers movie you see, you mm-hmm. start, you got to slow your head down and you right. kind of get the humor, the gist of, even in something as broad as Lebowski, uh-huh. you know, you, you catch little things. So did you audition, you mentioned the Coen Brothers, did you audition for them? Uh, um, I'm in Vegas. Mm-hmm. You don't mind these long stories, do you? No, like I want them. them all to be long. <laughs> yeah. I'm in Vegas doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see a... A, an old colleague or a friend, a producer that was in the business, not a stand-up. But we're having lunch together, and we're talking. He's asking me about Matt, uh, Matt uh, Weiner and Mad Men. How was he oh, yeah. in auditions? I go, mm-hmm. he was great, very empathetic to actors. And he goes, yeah, my uh, my son-in-law just auditioned for uh, the Coen brothers, and he said they were the same way. I go, oh, when did that audition... Last week, I go. That's great. Like, <laughs> so I get ten feet away from the table after lunch. I get on my managers. Did you send me in for that? Uh, I think we did. Send me in again. I got to get in. I got to get in. So I was called in, put on the assistant, put me on tape, and then a week later, I was getting re- getting ready to go out the door to New York. And so the Coen Brothers want to see you tomorrow. Wow. So I stayed, but I did more homework on that character before the assistant put me on tape mm-hmm. than I think I've done for anything. And what was your homework? Uh, okay, who is he? Was a minister, so who is this yeah. guy? Why is he in L.A.? I wanted to give him a southern accent, uh-huh. you know, even though it wasn't in the South. Yeah. Um, so I, I made that decision to do that because he was probably in the war chaplain. He came back to L.A. Yeah. And was ready to go back to Waycross, Georgia, <laughs> or Alabama, and yeah. and uh, wow, this is beautiful out here. There's movie stars, Hollywood. I'm gonna. And it's in in fifty one, L A was gorgeous. Yeah, you know, and there's the ocean, and the weather was great. So he got his wife and kids out, and then they, you know, he started the church out. And they're like, now he can get a call from a studio. They want his opinion on this movie mm-hmm. uh, about the life of Christ. Yeah. So I'm 
I'm honored, yet I feel entitled, <laughs> and I'm a little nervous. Like I might see Myrna Loy. I, I just kind of wrote out a lot of things and then yeah. thought about it a lot. So by the time they called me back to audition for the Coen Brothers, I knew who this guy was. Uh huh. You know, and they loved it. Oh, that's yeah. terrific. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it's another one off the bucket list. Mm. Well, the uh, and so we're. I mean, you said again, they're not people that really, they just create, it seems a great atmosphere and do great casting. Yeah. yeah it was um, very simple. It was, uh, Roger Deakins was a DP, so that was a bonus. Amazing. Seeing him work one camera for the whole scene. Yeah. It was a boardroom scene. I thought they'd have at least two. Yeah. You know, one camera, he moved it around, uh, he operated it, mm-hmm. so that was fun to see. The other actors were great. Yeah. Um the actor who played the lead, uh, Josh, George. Josh Brolin. Oh, Josh Brolin. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have been better. Yeah. Nice. I love Josh Brolin. Yeah. Um, and they never, the, the brothers never said, hey, you did that good. You know, all right, let's move on. Let's right. Let's move on. Quickly? Like, shoot no, pretty quickly? No, it's it's like, no, they get what they want. Yeah. They're not quick about it. They think about it. Mm-hmm. They're over there talking. I don't know what they're talking about. And But at the end of the day, uh, Joel Cohen got in the car. Mm-hmm. And all right, guys, thank you. That's a wrap up. Bob shook hands. We all shook hands. And, uh, but I didn't shake hands with Joel mm-hmm. Cohen. So I wanted to go by, just thank him, you know. I said, hey, thanks. And he looked at me and goes, you're going to be very happy. And that's, uh, that was nice. So, wow. And, I've, I, I'm, you know, ever since Blood Simple, I'm a young guy in New York, and I see this movie that just, you know, yeah. was huge and so innovative and different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, I want to work with these guys one day. So 30 years later, wouldn't uh, yeah. you've worked with all the all, all the shows uh that i uh, so you stole my life you were obsessed with <laughs> mad men but you got on it i, I was, was obsessed with mad men i never had an audition you never had an audition uh, no uh, but, which i thought was crazy i we, thought i was born to be in that show you know well Ileana, when i watched carson's again i knew heartache and heartbreak <laughs> and disappointment <laughs> Were the meat and potatoes of this business? <laughs> yeah. It was it was ridiculous because I, my wife and I, that was our show, huge. Yeah, fans the best, of the show. so good. And then I go season two to audition for the doctor that talks to Peggy after she. I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But, yes. Excuse me, because I'm old school that way. Mm-hmm. And it was a good thing, but it was a younger part, you know. So thank God he didn't cast me. Yeah. And then I got called in to do a scene, uh-huh. worked in another scene, and that worked. And then uh, my manager uh, saw Matt Weiner at a uh, bar mitzvah. And he and he walked over and he goes, can Alan Havey really act? And she goes, yes. And I'm on the phone going, yay, would you tell him? Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when I found out what happened. Uh, I won't talk about it now. With the, and it, it turned into a dream part. It only got better every week. Oh, my God. The experience got better and better and better. And I worked with all these people. Now, you talk about nerves. I was pretty nervous that first day. Yeah. They shot all my scenes when I came back for season, uh, season seven. Uh-huh. Chronologically, uh, it started at 6.30 in the morning. It finished at 8.30 at night. And I knew that, let's say I had just tanked or gotten right. too nervous and didn't deliver. Mm-hmm. They would have said, okay, get you on with Gal or... You know, right? Grab. We got to grab somebody. Mm-hmm. But uh, the cast was solid, really nice. Uh, the crew was amazing. the The writing was perfect. The direction was clear. Mm-hmm. So unlike Hail Caesar, where I had to do this background homework and stuff, 
I knew who this guy was. Right. He was like my dad and a bunch of his friends. Yeah. Same kind of philosophy. Simmering. Although, yeah, just like old school, you know, World War II vets, uh, you know, Draper. Draper's is lush. Draper's alcoholic. <laughs> guy can't handle his alcohol? Fuck him. I'm sorry. I, I know iTunes doesn't like You'll bleep that out. Probably. <laughs> Luckily, we're not live. No. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so it was great. Yeah, and, uh, it was every the whole experience. It was wasn't one hiccup. You know, another thing I loved about your character. Well, first of all, I'm going to compliment you because we we had you know we've known each other all these years, and then we did this little stint. You know, we're in my little web series, which was so. But I must say, when I saw you on the show, even I said I didn't know he was that good. Oh, he, he thank was you. So good, and I didn't know where that character was going. Neither did I. I couldn't wait every week to see. It was so perverse, and like you know, that's what was so much fun about the show. But it was great. Just uh, oh my god, you were like his Draper's nemesis. I loved it. I think we've all been in that position to have a boss like you, where you've like everything is an easy street, yeah. and then suddenly you come in. Mm-hmm. And you think he's you're like the creatives and the whole problem with the world and I love I love and I'm an artist I think of myself as this yes artist and stuff like that you know <laughs> it, it, it was it was fun I was voted the the worst boss in television history by the New York Post you know I'd read comments so and people said great. what they said about my character the things they wanted to do to me. I could yeah. never repeat, but it was just like everybody hated me. It was great. You know what was another uh, good thing about it is that you never got ahead of steam about who that guy was. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like sometimes when you're like, oh, this is going really good. I think I'll crank it up and make mm-hmm. him even crankier. Mm-hmm. Like you stayed on that same simmer. Well, he was that guy. He he was already that guy. Yeah. When he And he just plugs in, oh, oh yeah, I heard about Draper. He called the... Uh, uh, the Hershey Company, a whorehouse. There's, you know, by the yeah. time it got back to Lou, yeah, they're right. having trouble over there with that lush. Yeah. Are, they, are these young guys? Okay, I'll handle them. No problem. This guy with the beard? Yeah. What do you, beard? You know, come on. Beards went out in the 1880s. You know? <laughs> I mean, and the funny thing is, I, I love the character of Don Draper. Oh. I was rooting for the guy. Yeah. I just wanted him to get it together. Mm-hmm. And I probably identified most with uh, Liz Moss's character mm-hmm. because she came from Brooklyn, Catholic family, mm-hmm. got into Manhattan, which was, you know, that's a 10,000-mile trip in, right. in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And I came from Miami. So I, I felt I really related to her character more than I related to Draper's, you know, even though he was a guy and, you know, he had a, you know, I, I was never that guy. It's, it's an interesting question because I feel my parents were, you know, out of the uh, my my dad, believe it or not, was even in the, you know, again, the very tail end of 17. He was in World War Two. So I feel like even though I'm relatively young, I understood my parents were that post-war generation and then they were hippies. And I feel like that I was very do you think our generation is much more connected to their parents than kids are kids seem to be such individuals but i really cared about i had to read all the books on my parents shelves like everything my parents did you were supposed to go to you know europe as soon as you 
left high school. Like, again, we're talking about rules of show business. Well, but. unlike, you know, in, unless it was comic books and when the National Lampoon came along, yeah, uh, you had one television. So mm-hmm. what your parents watched, you were absorbed. You saw Sinatra, yeah, interesting. Dinah Shore. And, Watergate. Well, well, Watergate, I was, I was, I'm older than you, but uh, uh, old movies. Yeah. I, you know, and uh, I... It was it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think kids today have not only their own culture, but they can see any show in television history. Right. Like this young man I know, he's twenty seven. He's a producer at ABC News. He said to me, "I saw this great show. It's called What's My Line." <laughs> you know, and but he had never seen it, and right. you know, yeah, it was a great show. And in college, they uh, they showed uh, the best years of our lives. Mm-hmm. He said it's probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we talk. We kind of make these blanket statements about millennials, but they're in touch with their parents, but only by texting and calling. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're plugged into their parents' uh, culture, and if if they are, it's not a distant culture. It's Led Zeppelin or the Beatles, which is kind of around their old right. songs. I think we were the last of that generation that we were raised with our parents' culture, and then we found our own. Mm-hmm. But your parents turned into hippies. Well, no, but I, I related to something you said about growing up a Catholic and you can't get rid of it. Like, my mom is Italian Catholic, medals pinned to the bra, you know, goes to, you know, church. Right. It, it's and You can't get rid of it. It's just it's just a part of you and a part of your culture. The, wor- the worst person in the parish dies and they weep. He was a good man, you know. <laughs> it is part of my culture. And I went to Catholic high school, uh, grade school and high school up till college. And uh, I don't go back to church. I worked in a rectory. Uh, so that's why all the scandal about the Catholic church mm-hmm. is heartbreaking. I believe all this happened. But uh, much of my young life and who I am today was formed by some great priests. Right. And who didn't lay a finger on me or anybody else. Mm-hmm. There was no scandals, you know. Um, but, yeah, you can't, get, you can't get rid of it. You know, before I go on stage, I still knock on wood and make the sign of the cross. Yes. Just, just as, and if I forget to do it, big deal. It's more of a superstition. Uh-huh. You know, it's just more, this is where you came from. Get out, get out there, you know. But it's just kind of like a goofy thing. It's not like I'm back there. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Uh, When you said that, I just flashed on On the Waterfront, you know what I mean? Those great priest uh, roles like that. Carl Malden. Oh, Carl Malden. I think that's my favorite, you know. That was my connotation with a priest, you know, half in in with the hoods and... Right, or or True Confessions. True Confessions, another good one. With De Niro, who's like the hot priest and... he can raise money and make it happen. <laughs> At the end, you see him out in the, yeah, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, okay, well, let's talk. To, I want you to talk a little bit about Easy to Assemble, what we did. Did you enjoy working at Ikea in a life? Yeah. When, that was another thing. We kept expanding your part. I didn't want you to leave. Well, thank you. No, I enjoyed it, <laughs> and I got to work with Ed Begley Jr., Yes. who I've since worked with, mm-hmm. and I was directed by... Uh, Greg, Greg Pritikin. Yeah. Who I also did the Dreyfus movie he was in. Oh. So that was fun. Uh, yeah, I had a good time. It was fun being in Ikea and looking around and knowing I was getting paid for it. Yes. You know. <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, I've always liked your work and I've always liked you. So that was fun. Yeah, but you were, but again, I put, I cast you as, again, as, as pre-Mad Men. As the, again, I wanted you, you were the guy who I felt, again, was always passed over. You know, for the job, like that Eric Lang 
you know, what was the, you know, manager Eric always right. got ahead and you were the guy that we did a funny thing where we, you would explain, try to explain something for a long time and then he would just come in and roll all over you. Sherry O'Terry was in that scene. Right. We had a lot of, I don't know, you don't remember. I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember Sherry O'Terry. Yeah. Uh, but no, I remember the skateboard. That you were in the dating scene. Remember, like we did um, the the um, speed dating, speed dating, yeah. And you were talking to the girl about your car. We added all yeah. these. Did I do a good job? You did a great job. Okay, all right. I, that was so good. That's that's I'll unrelated. Have to VHS tape of that one. Oh wait, no. it's such a great. Um, uh, and I and I got a streamy award. Yes. Yes. Best ensemble. The streamy. Best ensemble. We all did. We did. And a Webby. And we won many Webby no, awards, I, I too. Did. You didn't looking. pick that one up? No. No. Um, I got shoved out. The uh, Okay. We must, because we had to wrap up. Will you tell the punk story with Kanye West? Because you were, you were so in on uh, Kanye West way before he was well, this is before. Well, this is before his mom died. I think he started to go downhill after his mom passed away. And yeah. That whole thing happened with Taylor Swift. No, they were out. In the, he was out in the desert on a Sunday shooting a music video. And you, there's a show which is not on anymore, but no. we were all obsessed with called Punked. And it was Kanye West. I didn't know who the hell Kanye West was. <laughs> you know, and I'm a white guy in my forties. <laughs> not anymore, but I was back then. Yes. Tomorrow's eyebrow just went up. <laughs> and uh, so, part, some of his posse knew, and some of them didn't know right. that it was Punked. So I had to go, and I was out there for hours just checking generators, like I know what I'm doing. I was playing a film cop, yeah. and uh, well, you have your, your, and I called my buddies, Brian and David, wait, say your Jennies are running too much. Okay, great. So, you know, they gave me some of the uh, the slang, so, yeah. I, and then finally I grabbed his tapes and go, no, I'm shutting you down. And he comes over, grabs them out of my hands, and then some of his, two of his guys went like this. <laughs> they put their hands in their pockets, and I said, I think it's on there, if if you if you do a closed caption, you can hear me because it was a lot of yeah. commotion. I said, "Take your hands out of your pocket. I do not have a weapon." You know, I was like, I had like shorts on and I, yeah, I like, stayed in character. Yeah, um, and then they, they got in the van. They they took off with it, and then Ashton Kutcher. That's when he comes out. It's all on the show. You yeah, see, come running down. out. But after that, he was great. Yeah, Kanye was. Oh, it's a joke, and he took it well, and. It, you know, today that probably wouldn't happen. Yeah, but is that why that show went off the air? Somebody would, you know. I think they, you know, they had they made all the money they were going to make. But I got recognized more from that than really anything else I'd done. Prior well, there was to. the Jamie Kennedy experiment, which was sort of soft, but punked was like, oh, it was it was it it walked the edge of really mean sometimes. Well, I, I know a couple guys, celebrities, they punked. They go, no. I'm not signing the release. Get the hell out of my house. Really? Managers were fired. Agents were fired. Really? You know, because they knew about it. Because wow. for thinking it was funny? Yeah, hey, this will be fun. it was a good idea. And it was, well, it was the highest rated show on MTV. So I can understand they want to get their clients on there, get eyeballs, whatever. They're right. Branding before branding. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if they, were, they couldn't find you on the internet? Yes. There was no, nothing on YouTube. I love it. Uh, no Wikipedia page. They Google your name. Uh, they, uh, Just nothing. get your credits. Yeah, yeah. There's credits. No bio. Yeah. No birthday. No wife <laughs> or husband. <laughs> Not that I don't want my wife, but you know what I mean? Yes. I, 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 I do. 
and people say you got to get on Twitter and you got which I'm not and I'm going to Edinburgh Festival. Oh yes, yes. You're, so, you're, so everybody says you got to get on Twitter to promote that. Right. Here's what you do: go to AlanHavy.com. And that's you see everything. Yep. You see where you are. Just come to see you in a show. Uh, we didn't even get around to the TCM Film Festival. Favorite films from this year's TCM Film Festival? Um, Weaver to Heaven. Incredible, right? I, yeah, I saw it in Technicolor. And uh, the new guy did the uh, intro with the dark hair. The new guy, Dave Carger. Yeah, Cargan? Carger. Is it Carger? Uh-huh. Uh, terrific. Witty, funny, informative, without giving any of the plot away. Yes. It was, and uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, another great film. When you read this letter. Yes. Have you seen it? Uh, not in a long time. Uh, uh, great story. Yeah. Very well done. There's so many movies. Blood that of it... Throne. I had never seen it I at ne- all. I never saw that one. Oh, it was on the big screen. Where were you? <sighs> Probably interviewing. Uh, it was Thursday night. Wyatt McRae. Or... <laughs> I don't know. You know they Wyatt keep... McRae? Yeah, he was the son of, a uh, grandson of Joel McRae. Okay. So, you know, they have you all over the place. I know. Um, you know, I was doing different things. I it, it's all a blur. But I'm trying to think of movies I saw. I saw Spellbound, Nitrate. That was, you know, was a lot of fun just yeah. to see that beautiful nitrate print. But I missed Lever to Heaven because I was working opposite it. I know that. Well, they they make you have as a, a viewer, as a customer. Yes, you have to make tough choices. What was the question? I started the show. Uh, there was a movie, and I was with Wayne Fetterman. Was it El Dorado? And you didn't. We were all. We went to all see. I believe it was. A, what, no, it was a, a swing time. Swing time was that? What was yeah. the movie that you didn't like and he liked? There was one movie we disagreed about. Rio Bravo or something. Rio Bravo. Was that it? Yes, I said I mistakenly said El Dorado. It was Rio Bravo. Yeah, you didn't like it. It doesn't hold up. When I was a kid, I liked it. I know Tarantino. I know this is. Listen, there's some movies out there that are classics that people love. That right. I, to me, they don't hold up anymore. Yeah, for me, and people get really mad. I don't. I don't. I don't really think The Searchers is that great. I'm sorry. I, I do, but I understand if it, you know. Listen, it's, it's a bit corny. Uh, I like it. I understand. Yeah. It's got some beautiful shots, but it's a little corny, yeah. you know. For me, it's high noon. High noon, yeah, another great, ball. Sh- great shots. Yeah, but some of the acting in that, uh, yeah, some other ways, that was you could, that was gun smoke, you know. Yeah, but I understand it's an iconic film, and I know uh, there are directors now, if they're listening or watching, that mm-hmm. are going to like turn off their whatever you get this on. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to look at the. Uh, kittens on YouTube. I'll look at playful kittens on YouTube. I know. Does like you hear that, honey? Here, I'll play it back. Let me pause it. Well, you can. Uh, there's always there's always films like that that you know they either that you start to like more or I I've been rewatching. I mean, I I when I I just rewatched The Swimmer and I was like, oh my god, it's Mad Men. It's so it's got so many elements of Mad Men and The Swimmer. That movie just grows on me every year. Matt Weiner, I think, had his writers watch movies from that era. I'm, I'm sure. sure it was a swimmer. Uh, and I got to work with Robert Morse. Oh, the best. Yeah. So, that you know, if you hang in this business long enough, kids, and, you know, try to be nice to everyone. Yeah. You'll, you'll work. You, you'll meet people. Yeah, I would be. I'd have a hard time working with Robert Morris. I'd just be asking him questions all the time. Oh, I, I, I get irritating uh, after a while. Well, no, he was. Well, see, that, the, the Mad Men cast was great, and Robert Morris, come over here, sit down, talk to me. Aww. So I went. And I, he talked about Jackie Gleason working with Gleason on Broadway. 
I asked him about Guide for the Married Man. I had yeah. forgotten Gene Kelly directed it. Yes. Um, Walter Matthau. Uh, Mark Moses, who was on. Uh, Love Mark Moses. I did a sitcom with him called The Single Guy. Great guy. Terrific actor. Yep. Good person. I told him, you got to go home and watch Robert Morrison Guide for the Married Man. Oh, God. And he, he had never seen it, so, yeah. The, the It's so... Inappropriate. Yes. To watch. Oh, oh, yeah. But it's it's just but it's what I, I the guide for the married man was being made at the same time as as uh, Easy Rider. Like that's what was it really? Yes. Nineteen sixty nine. It's so out of touch. With, really? Yes. With okay. I thought is, it was earlier than that. Well, you know, it came out in sixty nine. I believe. Tamara, you should know this. You're. Okay. We'll look it up. People can yell at me if I'm wrong. Wow. It, no, the movies, I, I saw it as a kid. It was totally out of touch. Theme yeah. song by the Turtles. Really? Look at you. Yeah. You're, ki- you're going to kill me on Jeopardy. <laughs> if I ever get big enough to get on Celebrity on Jeopardy. Next, next time when you have a... Uh, we, now you owe me. You have to have a talk show. No, no, we're even on. now. Oh! I had you on my talk show back in the early Taking 90s. Taking all these years. And now you had me. Thank you. Now Thank we're done. Thank you. Thank you. I don't. I don't have to work with you. I, <laughs> if I see you on the street, I'll just pass you by. I mentioned when we were at the farmers market with uh, Paul Mazursky. That was fun. Those were fun times. Very. Except fun. for Ronnie Shell, but no, I'm kidding. It was great. Ronnie's fantastic. Well, I mean, we, love, we love Ronnie. I'll say this now, uh, and I saw you the first night at the uh, film festival. I haven't seen you looking this good ever. I mean, you always were beautiful. What's look, going on? You know, you just look great. Oh, thank you. Is it a is it a happy outlook? I don't know why. <laughs> and good hair. I told you so earlier. I don't, I don't give a compliment and say, now here's why. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break it down. Jumping jacks and Hail Marys. You're doing something. <laughs> All right. Happy we're going. Because you guys can continue this I know. This we're going to keep going. We gotta go. We're uh, way over. Look for Alan in Billions. Also, his website yes. is alanhavey.com. A-L-L-A-N-H-A-V-E-Y. Check it out because he's got a bunch of stand-up dates coming up soon. Thank you for being with us. Sure. Thank you. Yep. Also, get Ileana's book, I Blame Dennis Hopper, out That's on right. Amazon in paperback. That's Check right. out our Facebook page, the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. And mm. the website is ileanaspodcast.com. That's right, and as I always like to say, everyone's life is like a movie with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and this is the end of our podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Alan. Thank Good you. luck. Break a leg at the Edinburgh Film Festival. Thank you. Make sure you bring a Not coat. Film Festival. Fringe. Oh. Fringe. Fringe, Fringe festival. festival. They show movies too. I was there showing them. Film. Don't blow it for me. It's my first time. <laughs> <laughs> bring a, all I can bring a coat. Bring two coats. It's very cold. Okay. Everyone have a fantastic day. See Thank you. Next you. Time. Bye. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.